welcome to Channel F, the show where we pit your favorite Fanbyte staff members and maybe some other people against one another in contests of skill and knowledge. I'm your host, Mary Kay, and let's get started. Fanbyte featured contributor Funke Joseph has 7.6 hours logged in Sega Bass Fishing, according to Steam, which means you <laughs> probably know more about fishing than anyone else on staff. Yep, that's me. I've been learning a lot this past week, and I'm, mm-hmm, I'm ready mm-hmm. to win. I'm ready to Great. win. Great. Well, those skills will certainly be transferable to a podcast about internet trivia. Uh, Steven Strom is the managing editor of Fanbyte and the host of the popular Bone Talk podcast, the internet's leading show about bones and skeletons. Hello, thank you. I don't get a lot of opportunities to share all of my information about, you know, marrows and mm. sort of skeletal structures. Uh, so I'd love to take any chance that I can, and I'm glad that you have given it to me. Yeah, well, we're glad to give you a platform for that. Um, and a special guest on today's episode, Ryan North, is the creator and author of Dinosaur Comics, multiple choose-your-own-adventure books based on the works of Shakespeare, and most recently, How to Take Over the World, a tongue-in-cheek in- introduction to the science of comic book supervillainy. His works have won multiple Eisner and Harvey Awards, and he is one of Canada's greatest national treasures. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I got the most favorable introduction there, so thank you. <laughs> yes, I am great and I better mean, than everyone. I mean, listen, we talked about Fungi Nung, about fishing, and Stephen's Bone bone Talk podcast, so we hit all the highlights, really. Um, I was <laughs> what maybe else edi- is there to say? Yeah, I was editorializing a little near the end there, but um, I don't think many people would disagree with me. Um, yeah, I also right. just realized I'm the only non-Canadian. Is it, well, we've got you Let's outnumbered. Not in the world, go. but yeah. yeah. Finally. You've just yeah. been picking us off one by one until I was just me left. <laughs> That's a Twilight Zone episode. You wake up and everyone else is Canadian. Yeah, it's really fucked up. It's just everything is episodes. slightly different. Um, there's yous and everything. Uh, cereal is a little bit different. I feel uh, like home. Uh, Apologies. Bags yeah. of milk. <laughs> Bags of milk, exactly. Was Burgess Meredith Canadian? I'll find that out while I let you. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm sure yeah. that's. Uh, I sure. will say to everyone listening that yes, and don't bother looking it up. Yeah. <laughs> Why bother looking it up? Ryan just told you. Uh, so, Ryan, you recently published, like I just said, uh, How to Take Over the World, which is mm-hmm. uh, about all kinds of super villainy. Um, Earth domination scenarios, but I'm curious how much you really know about being an evil overlord or how much any of us <laughs> know, really. So let's find out. Um, I'm going to give you all different situations that you might face in a potential career as a nefarious mastermind, and I want you to mm-hmm. tell me how you would deal with them. Your fellow players will have a chance to steal your points by pointing out problems with your plans. So um, we are reaching deep into internet history here and uh, reeling in the skeleton of uh, the Evil Overlord list by Peter Ansbach, which I read when I was probably like 12. Um, This is an old, old piece of internet history. um, And it's one of those kind of goofy things about how you would deal with all these kinds of situations if you were an evil overlord. So, um, Funke, I'm going to start off with you. Uh, You're outfitting your legions of terror. What is the dress code? Ooh. I want something sleek and fashionable. I want it to look like they're doing crimes, but like it's really cool crimes and everyone wants to like join too. So an outfit that let's say it's it's all black, but it has like white brims on the like ankles and the wrists. Um, okay. And you get uh, everyone gets a cool hat depending on how evil you are. And you can show your evilness, and like the more evil you are, the cooler the hat is. Um, yeah. Oh, that's what sort my of hat-based ranking system. Yes. So no, no helmet. No helmets. No. Okay. Interesting. Um, so the, the hats are like pips on a Starfleet uniform. Yeah. You just start adding more and more hats over time as they go <laughs> up in the ranks. I think so. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. You can combine them, cut them, and uh, cut them apart, and kind of weld them together. But yeah, wow. the people. You're giving, I gotta I say, would, you're giving your legions of terror a lot of flexibility. 
I, I mean, I think it's great because putting a hat on a hat is a classic uh, thing that's good in comedy. We all yeah. love it. <laughs> I want them to feel like they can express themselves. I know a lot of evil legions, like I look at the Empire and Star Wars. What are mm. these guys? They look exactly the same. I can't mm. tell Stormtrooper 102 from Stormtrooper 5063. Like, we need some more... Hats, I mean, yeah, and if you're if you're creating a, a sort of army of death, you really do want them to feel like individuals and not sort of parts of a well-running machine, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, <laughs> do <laughs> I love you and Ryan even... any problems with this? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying as a Canadian. I'm trying to find the polite thing here. Um, I well, Funk is Canadian like... too, so you're allowed to be rude to them. Okay, perfect. It cancels um, out. Yeah. I mean, the advantage of a uni form is that uh, you can buy in bulk <laughs> and true. it gives you anonymity. And I worry that by focusing too hard on fancy hats, you're kind of giving the police, the authorities, uh, <laughs> something to look for. <laughs> well, if it's a uniform, mm. yes, it's something to look for. But like you run into a crowd of other people wearing that uniform, you disappear. Mm. Yeah, you just your first plan as evil overlord has to just be like become a fashion magnate and convince everybody in the world that this <laughs> is the hot new trend. And then they can dip into mm. the crowd and disappear very quickly. Ah, uh, yes. That would be and, a like, good. Fashion's a route. big part. You need you need the charisma. You want you want a cape. You want a, a logo. All this stuff is is tying in. And I feel like you've maybe tripped up too much by focusing on multiple hats to the exclusion of <laughs> You know, mm. character design, graphic design, fashion design. Typography. Typography. Now, I will say, <laughs> in, in Funkey's defense, I will say I do like the idea that, like, they said you can do anything you want with the hats. So we're, I think we might be thinking too small, too vertically. Mm. We might, like, because what if those hats are just, like, tied to little strings and they're wearing them all across their body like plate mail? Ooh. Now okay. I'm weaponizing them. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Those hats with the spikes on them? What if they use them as like like a shield? The yeah. <laughs> you mean like the old motorcycle helmet? Like World War One, like helmets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like this. I like this. You could uh, you go in. You could have a guy whose like whole identity is like I'm the bear hugger, and he just comes in for a big bear hug, but he's covered in spikes, and it's like, oh no, I've been spiked. Yep. Yeah, now, I do want to point out that if you're wearing spikes, I'll, the problem with wearing an outfit covered in spikes is um, the person who is going to be most in contact with those spikes is you. But they're pointing out. Mm. You're not, you're not they wearing are, but if you, cro- if you fold your arms, if you cross mm. your legs. Mm. No folding allowed. <laughs> yeah, you have to two. be walk really around careful. in a T-pose and <laughs> <laughs> you have, like, go a- around on a Segway, yeah. You need to have like a master <laughs> switch that only the the wearer actually knows about where you like flip it. You like reach behind your back or something like that, flip the button and they all just like and they like fall off your body at once. And then you, you enter into your mode. nimble mode. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Gotta go hedgehog yeah, mode. Nimble mode has to be a part of the outfits as well. Okay. Really so now we're like designing that. gimmicks into the outfits and stuff. What, so uh, you features features. Yeah. <laughs> Features. <laughs> um, so, but you're you're thinking like I like open face because a classic uh, stumbling block with an evil overlord is uh, the helmet. I feel like because once you get a helmet in the picture, um, you're basically inviting to dress up as members of your legion and infiltrate your base. You know? Yeah, it's mm. always happening. At I least have a clear face. face plate. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I like the Phantom of the Paradise style of helmet where it's like it, it covers most of the face. So you can only see like 20 percent of skin at any point. But you can see in there pretty well with the big giant eye holes. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So very dramatic, very dramatic mask. Um, big all right, eye well, holes feel good to me. <laughs> big <Yeah>. eye holes. <laughs> half mask. Can't lose. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Steven. Your trusted lieutenant tells you that your legions of terror are losing a battle. What do you do? I mean, as I think, 
if Saturday morning cartoons, by the way, Funke, um, before you were born, there used to be, they used to play cartoons on the morning on Saturdays. <laughs> I've seen Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> um, what that always taught me, like your, your Cobra Commanders, your Megatrons, your Star Screams of the world, what they always kind of taught me over time was that like the first thing that you need to have, that any good leader needs to have is a contingency plan, the escape plan. You start losing, you got to get out of there. You have to have escape pods, you have to have uh, trouble bubble, whatever it is people are using. Star Wars villains do this all the time. You Sorry, trouble, bubble? trouble bubble? Trouble bubble. <laughs> Sorry, I've never heard. What is a trouble I've bubble? I've never heard of a trouble bubble. <laughs> <laughs> the trouble bubbles are like the escape pods that the, uh, that the I've never watched. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the wrong question. Where have you encountered the phrase trouble bubbles? <laughs> <laughs> it's a G.I. Joe thing. I've never trouble seen Trouble bubbles is like a really good name for like uh, gastrointestinal distress, I feel like. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, oh, I got the trouble bubbles again. <laughs> Okay, I did just Google trouble bubble, and the first thing that comes up is instead, uh, yeah, what Jordan just popped in here, which is like some kind of bubble gum. But I swear this is a thing I've heard of before. <laughs> that sounds right. Like they launch themselves away. No, this, this sounds like something that Stephen was told on the playground at like age six and assumed was true and they never questioned. <laughs> yeah, no, they were like, they were just sitting on the playground, just trading Pokemon cards. And someone's like, oh yeah, when you grow up, there'll be a trouble bubble and you'll have to mm-hmm. you'll like use that every day. And, uh-huh. um, and abandon your troops. Yeah. So yeah, I, that is, that is my thing. My only question here is, are you okay with just sort of abandoning your uh, your soldiers like how did that work out for like Megatron and those guys? I mean, pretty good over time. Megatron got to be a good guy eventually. He's like with all the other gay Transformers now, and they're he's like everybody's dad. <laughs> yeah, that is true. They did let him in, even though he did a lot of war crimes. Yeah, that's how you get to like you know who doesn't get a chance to uh, get a redemption arc. The villains who die. Mm. If I'm alive at the end, like I'm coming back around season two, season three, season four, I'm being a good guy. I'm helping. I'm joining forces with the other side. Redemption. Yeah. I just think it's funny how my evil colleague here wants to be good eventually. I don't think we're no, talking about that enough. I just think that's the uh, that's the ultimate escape plan. Well, you got. Yeah, you got to have it out. I guess you got to have a, a backup career. Right. Right. You can't. You can't plan to be redeemed like <laughs> isn't that the most evil genius thing of all though it's it's like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna beg for forgiveness on my deathbed and then i'll get into heaven because the last 10 seconds i was like jk i'm good that's the dr wiley thing it says please forgive me oh exactly. no and they kept doing it famously it, redeemed villain dr wiley yeah, yeah. He, well no he worked with dr light to build that big robot i think that went pretty well is he redeemed? I, I kind of checked no, out after the NES that was, era. That was like Mega Man 3. And then I think he stole the big robot and tried to use it to take over the world. He, he <laughs> wow. made Zero, though, and Zero is a good guy. I mean, we don't want to get into Mega yes. Man lore right now. <laughs> don't get me started on <laughs> Mega Man lore. For? I'm always getting merit started on Mega Man lore. I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, can't be helped, really. Um, it's such a crucial part of our culture's uh, you know, tapestry, mm-hmm. but, um, the Canadian culture, Canadian franchise, Mega Man. Oh yeah. We had different ones up there. It wasn't mm-hmm. called Mega Man. You know how Beast Wars was called Beasties in Canada. <laughs> I it do because called- you told me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still not really sure why that was. I guess having uh, war in the title was objectionable. That's yeah. why they, they used to do that with British TV all the time, because you couldn't say the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because ninjas kill people, and that means they're violent, so they have to be Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Now, where do we ever Whoa. land on um, the lyrics question of that? Um, oh, so I... I yeah, because, I, I, Ryan, I, I remember you looking into this, this from yeah. years and years and years. This is like over a decade ago. But for people who don't know, there's a line in the Ninja Turtles theme song that says... A splinter taught them to be fighting either teens or teams. Ninja teams or teams. Ninja yeah. teams. Splinter or teams, taught them yeah. to be ninja. Teams and neither of those really make teams. sense. So I I posted about this on Dinosaur Comics. I, I used what half the population thought was the wrong term, and half saw me as finally using the right term. And I had a reader who went out to who lived nearby. I believe Kevin Eastman one of the original Ninja Turtles guys, and uh, asked him, and he said it was teams, 
with an M. Teams? Teams? Teams, like a collective. And I thought it was teens because the phrase ninja teens is inherently both hilarious and awesome. And ninja teams feels <laughs> like, you know, they're a committee. So allegedly I was wrong. Word of God says I was wrong. Wow. But I feel like in my heart of hearts, I was right. But you were the death right. of the author and all that, so. Yeah. Are they, so wait, Splinter taught them to be to be fighting ninja teams. So are we referring to like the Foot Clan? We're talking about- No, 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 no. They're talking about the Ninja they Turtles. The and it's teams. implying, which is why but, teams makes no sense because they are a team, yeah, but then it, it sort of implies team. that they're like, they I, I don't break think the into sub teams. No, it's ninja. I don't think the word fighting is there. I think it's Splinter taught them to be ninja teams slash teams. Oh. That's a, yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense. Teens is way better. You're right, Ryan. Thank you. Well, one day uh, you'll am. be in charge of that property and you can write this wrong. Yep. I'll, <laughs> we can, the rest uh, of the lyrics are like no notes. Uh, Michelangelo being a party dude and being a party dude is just <laughs> saying, whoa, ho. <laughs> like, that's great. <laughs> Donatello does machines. Great. What does it mean? I don't know. Donatello does know. machines. Like, that is perfect. That's his whole thing. Uh, I wrote a character in Squirrel Girl who was described as doing machines. His <laughs> name was Donnie. And they were like, I see what you're doing here. And I was like, yeah, because it's yeah, great. It's <laughs> you good. live from the best. Uh, my favorite Donatello thing is uh, when the Ninja Turtles go to the future and uh, Donatello invents a solution to climate change and becomes rich and wears a bathrobe everywhere. Um, That's good. No one, the, other, uh, the other question in the lyrics is... is uh, is it cool but crude or cool but rude? Oh yeah, I see. I always thought cool but crude because like the alliteration is mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, me too. And um, cool but crude kind of makes more sense to me on an intuitive level than cool but rude. <laughs> but what is it? Do we? Know I that like one? the idea that that if you're cool, you're faillessly polite. Like that's right. A very <laughs> yeah. Nice vision of what a cool dude is. Right. Like that's sort of an odd contrast to say, oh, he's cool, but like, but he's really rude. <laughs> <laughs> he's a when, little like, in your face with his attitude. Right. But when, he's cool. like, but in the 80s and 90s, cool is almost synonymous with uh, being kind of a little rude, uh, sort of a Fonzie oh, sure. ass figure. Um, all right. Well, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hear word of a prophecy that an orphan from the neighboring village will rise up to overthrow you. How do you respond? Uh-oh. Oh, I mean, the, the obvious thing to do is to take that orphan child and raise it as your own so that you give it the best life you can. And then when, I guess I should use not it as the pronoun for this human child. <laughs> when That's he or she baby. does raise up, um, it's not overthrowing me. It's claiming their inheritance and, you know, like the, like the TV show Succession. It'll all it'll be super drama-free, I'm sure. And yeah. it'll work out great. No one ever <laughs> like resents the TV their parents. show Succession. <laughs> <laughs> now, you like, you gave me shit for, like, um, planning to be redeemed later, but now you're planning to be defeated later. You're planning to get Emperor no, I'm turning the defeat into a victory. Mm, okay, I see. Well, okay. okay. Wait, so you're planning for the child to overthrow you, but then sort of fulfill your, your ultimate plans? Well, this is, this is the galaxy brain thing. Like, if the mm. child overthrows me, but is aligned with me and calls me papa, then he's not really overthrowing <laughs> me. He's just being the next guy in line. <laughs> so are you but more what committed? He, what if he takes down the whole thing? What if they take down, like, everything that you've worked for? Then I failed as a parent, and I assure you, I will not <laughs> fail as a parent. <laughs> So your your plan is to just don't fail, just to have a good plan. It's kind of is that not a good plan? <laughs> I, I mean, don't know why other why some dude sucks. Sure as hell ain't my scene. <laughs> I mean, if we're looking at this from a kind of real world perspective, um, sure, yeah, like the, the scions of, of wealthy, terrible people uh, often may not live up to their expectations, but they rarely turn their back entirely on the entire operation and are just like, I'm going to be a good person. Uh, so it feels like there's precedent for this, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think it's mm. a great plan. You wouldn't like uh, send someone to kidnap the kid and like leave them in the woods or something where they could be raised by like some fairies and animals and learn the powers of nature. I mean, you were just talking about real world. And I feel like in most cases, animals don't raise humans. 
They find human well, Have you tried it? Mm. Yeah, have no. you left a kid in the woods? <laughs> Uh, I, think, I will go on record and say, no, I have not done this. <laughs> my, I have never left my story. Ryan North coming out with a bold, not leaving kids in the woods dance. Uh, my, I've it. never left a child in the woods uh, to be raised by lemurs or something. Shirt is raising more questions already answered by my shirt. Hey, but if you did leave a child in the woods and they were raised by lemurs, which I guess would probably be more of a jungle situation. What kinds of like abilities would they have if they were raised by lemurs like tail natural natu- cl- they would grow a tail you're saying yes grow a tail yeah something you uh, learn i have i have i have notes <laughs> <laughs> okay you've been yeah. working on this for some time i mean the, the the whole the how to take over the world book it's about actual science and technology and i feel like this idea that this sort of origin determinatism where if you are raised by an animal with a tail uh-huh. you will grow a tail <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit like uh, wishful thinking. I'm trying so to maybe, remember. Maybe I'm, just be really big eyes then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to cast my mind back to like what sort of abilities and powers Zabumafu from the hit TV series Zabumafu had and what kind of like things he would give me. But he really just like turned into a cartoon and said Zabumafu a lot. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Maybe stuffing stuff in a closet, like good at item management. Now is that something Our that lemurs, lemurs are known good for? Management, yeah. Oh, you think they would get like, well, that's that's the perfect kind of like supervillain leader thing, right? Is like good management skills because you're kind of working from mm, the top down. Yeah. But what animals are good managers? I guess bees and ants. Bees, bees. ants, ants, lemurs, um, meerkats, maybe. <laughs> They're more of know. a collective kind of uh, by uh, consensus based uh, decision making mm-hmm. group. Yeah, yeah. Not really hierarchical, I guess. Well, whatever. I've never asked one. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, I'm reading about how Zabumafu died. And I need to close this tab. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, Zabumafu, uh, Zabumafu raised uh, the child who was destined to kill him and uh, thought that mm-hmm. he would sort of like, you know, get that child on, on his side and <laughs> didn't, didn't really work out. Um, he lived to be a ripe old age, I assume, for a lemur, 20 years old. So Wow. That's old. It that feels is, old for a lemur, wow. right? That does feel old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just based on size, you'd think less. 13, 14, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, Ryan, what are, uh, what are some of the scenarios that you explore in, uh, in your book? They're a little more grounded, perhaps, than, uh, than these. Yeah. Um, I mean, there isn't a raised by lemurs scenario. I mean, that's what, that's what second editions are for, but there's <laughs> errata. Uh, it's errata. The <laughs> In the errata. Um, there's like secret bases, starting your own country, resurrecting dinosaurs, digging a hole to the earth's core, uh, becoming immortal, ensuring you're never forgotten, that mm. sort of stuff. Now the resurrecting dinosaurs thing. Um, Go on. <laughs> <laughs> that to me seems like a lot of work when there are already large animals and deadly animals still kind of around. Mm. Um, and honestly, it's, it's how would a dinosaur right? fit? Like, how would a dinosaur fare against modern military weaponry? I feel like not good. Yeah, because they're they're just an animal. It's like, just how a would lizard, a lion fare a against bird. an army with guns? Probably not great. <laughs> but so it's it's for the, the the spectacle. It's for the it's for the spectacle. It's for the entrance. It's for the 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 sheer prestige and charisma of riding around on a dinosaur. It's mm. it's they're less practical. It's like a, a pet, right? Like they're not they're not. You don't ask what a pet can do for you. You just enjoy having the pet in your life. And this yeah, is you a ask dinosaur. what you can do for it exactly. What you can do for your pet? Yeah, I think uh, JFK said that about cloning dinosaurs. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, now, well, are you? Are you worried someone's going to be immortal and be like, I learned from this book and it's over for all of you? <laughs> um, in the book, I say that if you do become immortal, you should be the only one who does it because a planet full of immortal people is objectively bad for everyone. Mm, yeah. So, yep. Uh, yep. yeah, uh, if they do it and they keep it a secret, I say, you know, fill your boots, knock I, yourself out. 
I do love the idea of a person who is only powers that they're immortal and like presumably invulnerable or has some kind of healing Yeah, that's factor. their only power. They never die. Listen, but, oh, their listen, only listen, power listen. is they can't be harmed by anyone. God, power listen. creep in comics has gotten way out of hand. If if I was if I was if I was immortal and like had some kind of healing factor and couldn't be killed, and I went to go fight as I am right now, everything uh-huh. else is completely normal about me. And I went to go okay, fight yeah. like Biggie Langston or somebody like like that bad example because he's in the hospital right now but <laughs> a pro wrestler oh or something they, i would it's not like my punches would suddenly magically do more damage to him like i would still it wouldn't make like no, people wouldn't have but, to listen to me but do you know what you could do the, what wait not die wait them out you would just Ooh. wait and also Play time would probably game. seem to pass much more quickly for you um because mm. you would have just seen so many things that you you at some point you would have seen so much i feel like that your perception of time would be completely different from right normal humans i mean this That's is scary this is the thing that the human brain clearly has a limit on its storage capacity so eventually you'd have to forget the past and then what's the point of living that long anyway if you can't remember you're right. gonna read your old diaries and be like this it feels like it happened to someone else who mm-hmm. cares literally a doctor who episode about this <laughs> oh well, there you go of course there is. Uh, but I will say, maybe I was wondering, like, oh, you know what I could do? Powers that are available to me right now, I could do, like, a wax mm-hmm. house baby sort of situation, like a Roxy um, street, street Sharks. A wax, a wax house, house baby? What is that? Wax yeah, house I, need baby? To, I need a gloss on that. Explain. Uh, wax House Baby was from another podcast I listened to many years ago that is no longer on the air. Um, <laughs> where somebody wrote in and told them like, hey, I went into the Wikipedia entries for the film House of Wax, the remake starring Par- Paris Hilton. That's her name, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and the supernatural <laughs> yeah. guy. And I changed and I added a very small thing to it that just says one of the original titles uh, for this was uh. going to be Wax House Baby, which was totally made up. But they added a citation that said, oh, it was in the Toronto Star or it was in some Canadian newspaper. And then that started getting referenced in other things and being like, oh, mm, yep. the, this article right. over here says this is the thing. So other people start repeating that lie and it becomes fact. This was uh, unimportant if true. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah and, okay. Um, and the Roxy Street Sharks is the lie that someone created that there was a, a female street shark named Roxy. Right. Because if you change information that nobody gives a shit about, nobody bothers to correct you. So nobody gives a shit about street sharks. So you can just add that and nobody's going to like fact check it and so, correct you. So I could do that over time to make myself like, oh, I'm actually God. Oh. My uh, favorite example of that is on the planet, on the High Fives page, it claimed that in the reboot movie of the Planet of the Apes, uh, war began when <laughs> an ape was offered a high five, but then was <laughs> offered one that was down low and he was deemed to be too slow. <laughs> this is what caused... <laughs> War. <laughs> it lasted for five years. <laughs> In the Tim Burton remake, was that what the slow war? The, the series. I don't know which one. Ones. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's incredible. Now, so yeah, I mean, I do like this idea of subtly introducing disinformation. Uh, because then you're sort of on a like an emperor of mankind or like Paul Atreides kick of like kind of altering humanity's destiny by changing the Wikipedia pages for 90s cartoon shows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it ju- I just start inserting myself into everybody's like 80s cartoon show that they're nostalgic mm. about. They're like, oh, yeah, I do remember that they were in that. <laughs> like, yeah, they seem pretty cool. They fought Optimus Prime that one time and they, they won, which is wild. We I love it when Optimus people Prime beat losing. Optimus Prime. <laughs> So when there was first made a Wikipedia page about me, I don't know who did it, but it was like, it was clearly not a friend because all the information was slightly (laughs) wrong. It was like telephone game information Mm -hmm. where I think it said I, I majored in film and I admired in film and like all these information (laughs) that were slightly off and it made me realize like, man, I shouldn't trust this site for anything. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm the world expert on me and this is all wrong. Yeah. Mine said I was, uh, I'm from England, which is a half truth, but, um, yeah, British, this is, right? it's not that, yeah, the slightly incorrect and the slightly wrong stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. God. Now I'm just thinking about telomeres and shit. That's how you look telomeres? forever. Right. It's all gene stuff. Gene editing. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you meant telomeres as in like 
telephonic mirrors like yeah you, you know yourself in the telephonic <laughs> mirrors yeah okay Steven, i feel like you've invented like at least three incredible in and inscrutable <laughs> concepts on this episode so far um, you got a lot of time to think of these things when you're immortal it, i yeah. suppose you do all right well um we are going to take some time because we are going to take a quick break for this ad and we'll be right back we're back um so uh let's talk about games baby let's talk about luigi let's talk about all the good guys and the bad guys halo Keep 3 there oh, the last video the game made. i did it yeah. um it was over so, after that <laughs> this is there's no that was it halo 3 uh <laughs> famously starring luigi and uh it's the part of the show where we <laughs> at least gesture towards the fact that this once was a video game podcast and um and talk about uh, some games that we are playing. Um, Ryan, I'll let you go first. Have Have you been playing any games lately? Yeah, uh, my wife and I have been going through the game Unravel Two, which is a co op couch co op game Ooh. where you uh, help each other solve puzzles. It's really cute. Um, and we had it confused with another game where it's a couch co op two player game called It Takes Two. Mm. And I've been told that It Takes Two has really strong divorce themes. Yes. Oh yeah. And so I was looking for that in <laughs> Unravel Two. <laughs> I was like, these guys are gonna get these little yarn creatures are gonna get divorced at some point <laughs> any second now. And there were this, this black goo in the game. We we're calling that divorce race. And anyway, it turns out <laughs> confused and nobody gets divorced in Unravel Two. <laughs> Uh, you were just divorced from your expectations. Yes. <laughs> well, we were like, man, they're taking a really long time to get to the <laughs> yeah. divorce in this game. <laughs> it's the twist ending. Oh, yeah. We, I'm so glad we accomplished all of this stuff and, and traversed the wilderness. Also, I want a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> it's a post-credit I, mean, I think sticker. they have to get married first. Like, there's, right. There's, are they even like, is, are they like, what is the relationship between these two Yarnies? I think they're two halves of the same soul, but that's just my own poetic view of the world speaking. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of like marriage. Yeah. uh, I I mean, imagine going through that game and being like, they're going to get divorced (laughs) any second now. (laughs) I kind of love going into a piece of media thinking it's going to be one thing and waiting for that thing to happen. And then it just never does. And you're like, kind of disappointed. (laughs) I mean, we had a great time with it. So if you approach all video games with like these main characters are going to get divorced, I think it really heightens the experience of playing. Like, you know, Mario and Luigi, they're headed for Divorce City any second now. Arbiter and Master Chief, yeah. it's over for them. God, that's so sad. Do you think like Wario and Waluigi are like these sort of like anthropomorphic personifications of like the trauma of their divorce? It's like they split up and then these beings like sprung into existence. Mm, yeah, that's, that does so, happen when you get divorced. As yeah, someone who has I, been divorced, man. there's a shadow version of me running around <laughs> eating garlic and making micro games. I am a man who uh, wears a Waluigi cap all the time in public. And uh, I feel are you like serious? I... Yeah, it's the only cap I have. And he's a tall man. I'm a tall man. He carries mm. a single long stem rose everywhere he goes. I do that too. Mm. I feel like a really close connect. Like even before the internet loved Waluigi, <laughs> I loved Waluigi and our love is better than everyone else's. Wow. And so I just want to put myself out here as a Waluigi expert. This is good to know. You have the zigzag mustache? In my soul, yes. Spiritually, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't take that from him. That's kind of his defining factor. And you, yeah. you know, if you could read Ryan's aura, him. if you I could paint with him. Ryan's mm-hmm. aura, there would be a, a glowing, squiggly mustache on it. I think. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, it's like oh, Funke is kind of like a violet. Merritt is kind of like a dark blue. Uh, Ryan's is just big squiggly lines in every direction. <laughs> Stephen, what would you say <laughs> is the color of your energy? Uh, I, it's really hard not to just say Amber. Merit. I know. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell me what game you're playing instead? Uh, y'all heard of a thing called Final Fantasy 14? They got what 14 of these bad boys now. They got 15 of them, actually. 
least 15, I think. Yeah. Um, I think they just put out a 15th one the other year, uh, 2021, something like that. Good for them. That's great. <sighs> I'm sorry that I keep, this is probably like the 15th time I've come onto the show and talked about Final Fantasy 14. It just kind of, the timing works out that way sometimes because I played a lot. Um, and I haven't really been playing much else, but I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy 14. <laughs> what is happening what is, in that game right now? Yeah. What's going on? Uh, today the game is actually down for 24 hours because they have taken it down for server maintenance because patch 6.1 launches tomorrow morning, which adds in a new Alliance raid, which are like these big 24 players all working together to take down some big monster sort of thing. Um, the last one they did was the near automata crossover where you hang out with your friends 2 B and, uh, nine S and all that. And there's dwarfs there. Uh, this one it's, you're going to go kill God because it's a final fantasy game. Oh, so that wholesome uh, so, kind of activity for the kids to enjoy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you. I mean, you're always kind of killing gods in Final Fantasy XIV, but now you're like kind of explicitly by the sound of it. You're killing the Christian it. God. You're killing the he Christian God. He comes out and says, I am the oh, God shit. of the Bible. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> the one you read about in my two books. <laughs> in my two books that I've Maybe you've of. heard of me. Yeah, um, and we, I guess we're going to go kill him and his friends, the other 12 of them. They're, there's like basically there's these gods Damn. in Final Fantasy 14 that they like barely ever reference because you fight a lot of gods, but they're like fake gods. But then like these other people, they kind of sort of in the background, it's kind of like acknowledge that, oh, yeah, technically speaking, these people over in this region believe in these 12 gods. They don't really ever talk about them or show them on screen or whatever. But I guess now we're finally going to go wrap that up because Endwalker, the new Final Fantasy 14 expansion, kind of wrapped up uh, the big storyline that they've been doing since A Realm Reborn uh, in whatever year A Realm Reborn came out. Uh, and they're like, okay, we're going to be moving on to new adventures. In fact, the patch is literally subtitled like newfound adventure where they're kind of mm. like, okay, we're going to have a little bit of a reset. We're going to get a little bit more swashbuckly, a little bit more like, let's go over here and hang out on like a pirate Island. Cause it's been so like dark and dour for the past couple of, uh, years in final fantasy where it's like, oh, these guys over here are like, they're, they're, they're built villains, they're evil masterminds, but really they have a good reason to be doing that and they you know they're sad too so actually we kind of agree with them but we have to fight because mm. they're trying to kill us uh, so now you're having now, a nice yeah. little break of like ah oh, let's go to the beach <laughs> <laughs> yeah and stab zeus through the heart oh, okay <laughs> i wow. guess yeah. as you do that's the, a good the, beach episode Near near the end of uh, the expansion, there's a there's a fan favorite character. I won't say more than that for spoiler reasons, but a fan favorite character comes back at the end of Endwalker. Anybody who knows which characters in Final Fantasy I like will probably be able to guess uh, who it is. And he comes up and he says basically like, hey, there's all this wild shit on your planet that you don't even know exists. Like there's, there's this stuff over here. There's this stuff over here. There's this stuff over here. Go out and fucking explore and go have fun and stuff like that. Like now that you're kind of done saving the world and all that shit. And mm. that's kind of the tone that they're doing for now while they set up like whatever the next big eight year long story is. And I've been taking that opportunity to become a nightmare capitalist bunny girl and just sit <laughs> in the capital city crafting iron, iron ingots, and cra like buying out all of the ore off of the market board, crafting them into ingots, and then selling them for 10 times their price for people who mm. are gearing up for this raid. Do you ever think about trying to explain an MMO to, <laughs> to your child self in like the early 90s? Like, hey, you like video games, right? You like Mario and Zelda and all their friends. Um, what if it was never ending and also um, a lot of it was about fictional economies and uh, <laughs> arbitrage opportunities? I mean, Merritt, I was... You would be I'm psyched. A, I, would, I, would, I would be psyched. I was playing EVE Online in oh, high school. Oh, Jesus, right. So... I forget that about you yeah, sometimes. Yeah, little Steven will be so excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, you like DuckTales? You like playing DuckTales on the NES and the Moon Song? And Uncle Scrooge, all that what stuff? What if you were Scrooge McDuck? <laughs> What if that level? What if you played through that level a hundred times in a row to make a number go up, and then and you were really excited about it? But I was doing that already anyway. I've just replayed through Sonic the Hedgehog two and Streets of Rage like fifty seven times as a kid. That's true. That's true. Also, classic arcadiums just about making a number go up. Yeah, one hundred percent. You go maybe back to Galaga's? less predatory, maybe. But well. Mm. How much money, mm, okay, the amount of money that I spent on, like, a single 
uh, beach outfit for my bunny character in Final Fantasy XIV is probably a roughly equivalent to the amount of money I spent beating House of the Dead 4 in the Marcus <laughs> Theater's West Acres 14 cinema. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, Funke, how about you? What are you playing? Every time I come on this podcast, I realize I don't play too many video games and I need to play more. I mean, why would you? You work at a video game website. <laughs> I mean, I play the specific you games. You should check them out sometime. They're pretty good. <laughs> Uh, games that I'm writing about and stuff, but I did remember that I did play a bunch of fighting games um, over not this past weekend, but the one before that. I got back into Nickelodeon All Star Brawl, and y'all were talking about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I don't really know too much about. But my main in that game is April O'Neil. I think that's her name. Yes, uh, wow. The reporter. She is so Ran cool. Into the like, turtles. Yeah, her her move set is like so unique out of almost any fighting game character I've played. Like I, they developed so many mechanics just for her and her newscasting that I'm like, this is so silly. Like, what does she do? Is, like, yeah, what are her moves? She rides a blimp to like fly around. That's her like recovery. Turtle um, blimp, oh. yeah. Yeah, her down B is like a uh, a camera that records the enemy. And if the enemy is like in the range of the film, then you start racking up like uh, star points or whatever, like interview points. And then your neutral B, like when you use it after you're charged up, can like one shot people if you if what you is, land it. What is the neutral B? What is what are you charging up? It's just like punching your microphone out. And being like, hey, can I ask you a question? And then boom, like they're off stage. <laughs> That's really it's good, so, actually. Like she's holding it like a microphone, but she just knocks you over with it? Yeah, she just punches you with it. But you have to, but you have to get That's footage amazing. first. You have to get footage. So a lot of the game is like, oh my God. like planting down the camera and like rolling away and like baiting them into it until your <laughs> star power is at like a hundred and then you like one shot them off the stage. It is, what is beyond fun. What is this saying? What is the game saying about journalism? <laughs> oh, that is a great question. Journalism is, um, it's powerful. I think that's what they're trying to say. <laughs> it's mm, an important you, part of a functioning democracy. <laughs> and also they will beat you up with their <laughs> yeah. microphones. Yeah, also, reporters are dangerously violent. Um, mm. But I've been playing that. You've tried to go do into a comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been playing that one with some friends and also Guilty Gear. Um, I realized I, for my review copy, they keep like updating the like DLC so that I keep getting it. And it, that's cool. But like every single character in that game is so hard to play. <laughs> I, you need to study that shit. Like you fully need to have a book out beside you and like be practicing combos like four hours a day. It's impossible. So I was playing that game, but I was still playing my main from launch, which is Kai Kisuke, which like a little prince. Um, and a, yeah, my friend, a pretty prince, you might say, pardon me. Oh, never mind. that you're too young to get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I've been playing the little, the little guy and he's been nice. And my friends have been trying out like Testament and the FBI agent with an alien in the coffin, which has been cool. But I, I don't know. I, I, I like stick, sticking with the old guy, um, who makes sense to me and oh, kind of plays like Ryu. How are people feeling about Testament? Testament's the newest character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they really, they really like them. I, I think the kid is really cool. I just, as I said earlier, it's too much for my brain. It doesn't make mm. sense to me. Um, but it like the moves and like so much of Guilty Gear. A lot of my friends who don't even play fighting games just love the animation and love looking at it. Oh, it's gorgeous to watch. Um, yeah, but yeah. learning how to play it feels like getting an advanced degree. Like, and it's non-transferable <laughs> between the characters too. <laughs> like, right? Like your your credits aren't recognized when you switch to a different character. <laughs> it's do they still have Roman cancels? That was always my favorite term. Mm. How about the dust button? Uh, Roman cancels is um, when you uh, when the Goths sack. Uh, sack Rome or something. Oh, yeah. They canceled they still Rome. I can't believe they canceled Rome. Um, that's stupid. <laughs> we'll cut that. <laughs> no, that's really good. That's really good. Uh, all right. Well, let's do one more. I was going to say, Jordan's uh, about to type nope. And sure enough, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, canceled the whole culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. With they fire. really did that. Um, let's just do one more quick game before we uh, before we close up. And uh, this one is called Speed Pitching, which uh, Funke and Steven, you may be familiar with. 
which is uh, historically what it's been is that I give you a title and you have to come up with a game within a very short span of time. Uh, I thought we would do public domain speed pitching today, where Ooh. I'm going to instead provide you with a property that has entered the public domain as of uh, January of this year and a genre. And I would like you to tell me how you would adapt that. And if you don't know what the property is, then um, just do your best and make it up. Ryan, I will. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you the one that like everyone will know for sure. So um, just in case, because I don't want to have to give you our guest one of these these other ones that um, right. might not be as well known. So uh, your property is Winnie the Pooh, which went into Got the it. original work, went into public domain this year, which is very cool. Um, and uh, I would. Uh, I would like you to um, to tell me about a Winnie the Pooh game that is um, a cooking board game. Okay, so, I mean, these these go together like uh, peanut butter and chocolate because uh, Winnie the Pooh is a bear of very little brain, so he's the one trying <laughs> to get you to cook for him. And every recipe has to involve honey in some way. So you can play as Absolutely. rabbit or as roux or as Christopher Robin, or as Eeyore, or as any of the other lesser characters. And every time you make a meal that Pooh enjoys, uh, you get to get some board game points. And every time that you fail- so My favorite board game, uh, I get board game points, and then, I, <laughs> then you win the game. So those and are enough points, you win. Yeah, these are, these are uh, fungible board game points. And- uh, if you lose, then you can try to regain your points by playing a different board game. So you can play like, you know, a game of Risk to see if you can... Then you type into the game, I've won at Risk, so give me some more board game points. <laughs> you have and, a side bet going? Because this is, this is the spirit of Poo Sticks brought into the digital era. Ah. This is the next generation of Poo Sticks. I love the honor system there. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's trust. It's a hundred acre wood. Yeah. Anyway, this this sounds great. The more I talk about it, the more I think this is a legitimately great idea, and I can't wait for someone to steal it, because well, anyone can. It's public domain. Just don't use the Disney elements. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it is the book by A.E. Milne that, uh, yeah. that is in the public domain, not the, the Disney animation. Uh, that's the problem with this, this segment, is people always come up with things that are like, oh, I actually do really want that. <laughs> I like doing this. <laughs> no! <laughs> um, yeah, I love, I love the idea of... Um, Introducing a Scheherazade style element, like that magic card where it was, um, you stop playing the game of magic that you're playing and start playing a new sub game. And yes. then whoever wins <laughs> that gets like an extremely minor benefit. I love the idea that you can stop yep. playing any game you're playing and start doing another side thing to get some kind of benefit. Um, that's, that's really charming to me. Um, all right, Steven, <clears throat> I want you to, uh, to pitch me on. A, a game based on Ernest Hemingway's The Sun Also Rises. I don't know if you're familiar with that. If not, this is going to be really interesting. Nope. Uh, that is a VR battle royale. <sighs> based on a, a Based book? on The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway. Um, I, I suppose I could give you a little bit of... Uh, no, it's probably no. It's don't. don't. No, no, no. Just tell sun me. Tell me about rises. the sun also rises VR battle royale. <clears throat> okay, okay, okay. What's the thing that ties every battle royale game together? Right. It's uh, rising stakes as people are forced into the same location together. The sun mm. also rises battle royale VR game is a game where as the sun comes up over the horizon, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter, forcing mm. people into increasingly uh, difficult to find areas where there is shade because with your VR helmet on the glare starts getting in your eyes oh. and you are unable to see your targets and, and fight them back so you need to find shaded areas throughout the world that are under under a tree under a little awning maybe inside of a car that has where, one of now, those like, where, shields. where would this be set where, where do you think this might be set uh, where would this be set uh, a thing based on Ernest Hemingway's The Sun Also Rises yeah uh <laughs> 
<laughs> it would have to be set in in rural you know. Italy, right? Uh, next to a vineyard. Uh, you could use those sort of trellises uh -huh. as sort of like a really interesting, because you know the, the light comes through the trellises, mm. uh, just like in the book, uh, through onto people's faces. And you have to like shift your eyes left and right as the sun is moving and the, the, the pattern changes on your face. Uh, but then you can like use that to peek on people and then shoot them through uh. the holes. Can I hop on a little bit please, here? Because I think there's do. a really cool idea <laughs> where at first you do it and it's sunset and you're mm. like teamed up against monsters, but the sun yeah. also rises. <gasps> and so the second half of the game is when it switches. Now the sun's coming up and the sun will be too too bright, I guess is the mechanic here. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I think at some point you just start roasting. Yeah. I love that the titular sun is like the poison cloud in, in Fortnite mm. or something. That's really totally. cool. Yeah, I, I love the idea of like uh, to to bring back an old buzzword from the from the olden days that I really think people should get back into Ryan coopetition. I think oh, um, yes, great yeah, word. We should we should really Whoa. start uh, kind of leaning into that. I think we abandoned that idea before its prime. So the idea of like working mm. together and then fighting each other mm -hmm. for the spoils is very good. Mm. Like the division. Yes, in, I do in like rural that. Italy. <laughs> in rural Italy. I mean, in many ways, that is what the sun also rises is about. Um, is about pe it's it is sort of a precursor to like your your PUBGs and your Fortnites. Right, right. Um, right. Your Squid Games. That's what well, it's based. What on. what kinds of themes do you think it might explore? Themes that yeah. the sun also rises explores. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the game. You know, the, the game VR obviously will be drawing some yeah. themes. Right. Yeah, your adaptation. Like you, you get your take on it. Well, using the knowledge that I have from uh, my English minor, I would probably say uh, it would deal with themes of like environmentalism, mm. um, you know, <laughs> kind of like the importance of the ozone layer and how Absolutely. that keeps the, you know, the sun uh, wearing sunscreen. Uh, that <laughs> would be a huge wear sunscreen. Yeah, that was Ernest Hemingway who said that. Yeah, you got to wear sunscreen. He had his whole radio uh, top 40 hit about it. Yeah. And that'll be one of the like consumables that you pick up in the world, like Slurp Juice or Chug Jug or something like that. Mm. You have to get sunscreen to create like an overshield, just like in the book. Fascinating. Ah. And we have trouble bubbles. We do. Have trouble bubbles. <laughs> yeah, we even put trouble bubbles in this one. <laughs> if you get like a tier one trouble bubble, it just lets you fly around like in a trouble bubble. But if you get a tier two trouble bubble, it's got like tinted glass. So it keeps the light out of your eyes even better. Mm, mm. <laughs> so tier one, you're just in a bubble, but you can still die if totally. you look at the sun. Yeah. If you look at the sun too long, you do just die. I mean, that's, that's, that's true, true in real, in real life. life. Yeah, <laughs> And exactly. in, in VR. And in the game. Um, well, that sounds just great. And I think the fans of the original are going to really love um, this sort of faithful adaptation of it. Uh, Funky, mm -hmm. can you tell me about the uh, roguelike beat-em-up based on Dorothy Parker's Enough Rope, which went into public domain this year? Yep. Uh, as a huge fan of this... Of this uh, thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Um, I, yeah, I'm so honored to be able to be the game director of this and talk to y'all about this new roguelike. Um, so it starts off at the start of a, a dungeon, a cave, if you will. Um, and you are actually playing as a piece of rope. And someone is throwing you down to the dungeon. You have to like kind of fend off the demons first before they, they go down. Um, mm, mm, and mm. it is like each layer you're getting closer and closer to the core of the earth, which uh, is the end of the game. A lot of people are comparing it to Hades with uh, the different ropes you meet. There's a lot of like romances that you can talk to with the different string or the rocks in the cave. Right. It's, uh, right, it's bringing right. life to inanimate objects. Enough rope. Let's talk about what the rope is actually inside. That's sort of, that's kind of interesting that these, that your, your approach to the title is enough rope. Not sort of, uh, it, it sort of, you know, maybe the phrase give someone enough rope, but you're sort of more like enough of this rope. And yeah. yet the game is about rope. <laughs> it's enough as rope as like a tool. We want to know about like what's actually, what is the rope going through? Or enough so that's like rope. Kind of a, a, a you know, like command. you're already annoyed with your main yeah. character by reading the title. 
that this is that's this is great. This is really great. And um, what kinds of like um, is it going to be like commenting on on like society in any way or? <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be um, commenting on doomsday prepping, mm. and maybe yeah. you break all the ropes out. Like, ever all the humans want to like stock up on the ropes and be like, I might need this rope sure, for later. Yeah, but let's talk yeah. with the ropes. Let's let them free enough rope. Y'all again, I'm, I am coming rope. back to this idea of enough rope. Um, <laughs> it's, it's as if it's, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog were called enough hedgehogs. Here's a hedgehog, <laughs> sort of uh, kind of counters your expectations a little bit, which I kind of like. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you might buy it thinking, all right, at least there's no hedgehogs in this game, but then the first thing you see is <laughs> you're controlling this hedgehog. It's true. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we all consume too much media that we just love or we're gonna like a lot. Right. You're so gonna if hate someone this. who doesn't like rope <laughs> is gonna pick up this game. I want that person to love rope by the end of this game. This experience, <laughs> not just a game. This it's experience. A, it's an empathy game for learning to appreciate rope. <laughs> who are? I mean, maybe I'm, this is revealing my own life experience. But what? There. Who are? How do these people not like rope? Who are people yeah, who, who are, don't like who rope? This, who's this <laughs> anti-rope <laughs> contingent? Well. I'm I'm glad you asked because we get a lot of hate mail. Actually, um, okay. it's so sad for our community manager who has to deal with all that. Thank you. Um, but yeah, people just don't like how it feels on the hands. Mm. Um, they get rope. But there's burn. soft rope. That's true. I don't. I don't know if they've heard of it. I mean, I think it's mostly I, bungee fans. <laughs> well, they. Um, yeah, they think they're just they're really the into same. bungees, and they're like, "Why would I use <laughs> rope when I can just use you know bungee?" Yeah, we're trying to People teach them about soft rope. We're trying to teach mm. them about like elastic rope and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Nylons. Nylon. You got your nylon. You got your jute. Gummy ropes, like candy, like nerd rope. Nerd's rope. Yeah. Nerd's rope yeah. is a kind we of rope. There's so many, I really like what you're developing now is the opportunity to have different kinds of, of characters. And, um, you know, games now are really about, they're not really about the games. They're about, you know, selling, uh, selling people collectible characters mm-hmm. and, selling a uh, fandom selling a fandom and i think we've really right. got a good thing going with we've got these different types of ropes who are all different characters who have their own personalities and uh and i think that's really going to be great for the dorothy parker enough rope video game adaptation that's a beat em up roguelike <laughs> if lotus has taught me anything uh it's that characters in gotcha games don't even have to look like the thing that they're supposed to be based off of like Lotus loves that cookie run game and was doing a tier list on cookie characters. And it's like, these aren't even cookies anymore. These are just like, that's just an anime boy. Yeah. <laughs> you just have anime boy rope. Yeah. Yo, yes. Yes. <laughs> well, um, I think Dorothy Parker would be really um, happy with, um, with your adaptation. And I think uh, the fans, the fans so. are going to be as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I haven't really given out any points this episode and everyone gets a bunch of points. Um, Take as many points as you like. Uh, that's I think that's going to do it. And I'm just going to say, for the sake of it, that Ryan won. Um, because, you know. Oh, wow, thank you. You know, when, when's the next time he's going to be on here? He deserves a win. Um, right. When Ra- I heard that rope game, I thought my chances were hanging by a thread. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Uh, I'm glad to not be the one making the worst puns on a single podcast. (laughs) And that's why he gets paid the big bucks, folks. Um, Brian, do you want to tell our listeners about uh, a little more about your new book and any other projects or or things that they might want to look into? Oh, sure. Yeah, if you're curious about the edges of real-life science and technology as viewed through the lens of comic books, then you can check out How to Take Over the World at supervillainbook.com. And you can find me at uh, ryannorth.ca. Or on Twitter at uh, at Ryan Q North. The Q stands for quality. <laughs> I had forgotten uh, what the Q stood for, so thank you for reminding me. I just made that up. I don't know what the Q stands for. Ryan North was taken. Is what that stands for. <laughs> Ryan, yeah, Q North was taken. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> And uh, if you want to follow uh, our other contestants, Funke is at Funke Fly. Stephen is at Stephen Strom. Our producer, Jordan, is at Jordan underscore Mallory. Fanbyte is at Fanbyte Media. And hey, go join the Fanbyte Discord, fanbyte.casa. Just type that in your browser and it'll take you over there through the magic of a hyperlink redirection. Um, and uh, and sign up and join it and have some fun over there. Yeah, that's going to do it for us for this one. Ryan, thank you again. 
for uh, for hanging out with that us. That was my pleasure. This was great. Yeah, no, we really appreciate it. And hey, go check out that book. Um, also, uh, fairly recently, I think, or maybe it was like last year, um, one of your uh, books, the the game version of it is on Switch now, right? Yes, To Be or Not To Be came out for Switch. You can play through the book, which is sounds weird, but it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And there's narration and achievements. Wow. And it keeps track of where you are in the story. So you have to put your fingers in this two-year-old path book. <laughs> and uh, it's a lot of fun. Check it out on It's Switch. a great book. Uh, check it out either in physical form or in the book. And check out the rest of Ryan's stuff, too. Please. And until next time, keep that dial tuned to Channel F. <laughs>